Welcome to the River Community Church Podcast. We are a church committed to loving people, igniting faith in Jesus, and transforming lives. We hope you are blessed by the words that are spoken, and feel free to contact us if you have any questions. So as I've um, already noted on uh, multiple occasions already. Today is Mother's Day. And as such, I want to take a little bit of a detour from our series called Life Reimagine, which we've been in for the last number of weeks. And I want to talk about a unique subject. I want to talk about the mothering love of God. The mothering love of God. Now, right off the hop, I want to say um, I'm neither a mother or a woman, and I think that's fairly obvious. Um, And so in a perfect world, uh, this sermon would be preached by a woman who is a mother and not me, Uh, but that's not possible uh, this week. So I'm just pinch hitting. I'm I'm doing my best, okay? So um, just bear with me. (laughs) Um, By the way, That's why earlier in the service, I wanted to have a bunch of real moms share their story. In some ways, that's almost the sermon for uh, this Sunday. Uh, What they shared, their heart, how they feel as moms. Uh, But let me add, add a few things. So maybe for some of you to think about the mothering love of God, to think of the feminine side of God is kind of a, you know, a strange concept, right? Either you're, you're thinking, well, I've never heard of that before, or you're thinking, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. I know um, when this subject came up for me as I was growing up in my teenage years, and I had been in church for years and years and years, I thought, that's, that's wrong. You can't refer to God as, you know, a mom, as in the feminine. I mean, God is a he, right? Um, I mean, God, he created. You know, God, he forged a covenant with Abraham. God, he rescued his people out of Egypt. God, he gave the Ten Commandments. Rather, um, You get the idea. But actually, there's, there's nothing wrong with talking about God using feminine pronouns. There really isn't, and I'll give you a few reasons for this. First of all, God doesn't have a gender. The Bible tells us that that God is spirit, right? And those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's neither a he nor a she. Um, That's not who God is. So to think about God in feminine terms is, is perfectly appropriate. Now, obviously, because Jesus was a male, um, we think that God is male. But that's not true. That's just the incarnated form of God in Jesus. Second, it's biblical. It's biblical. It really is. Now, it's true that God is predominantly referred to as a male in the Bible. However, the Bible also uses feminine, feminine imagery to describe God. And let me just give you a few Bible references here. Genesis 1 verse 27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. 
male and female, he created them. So the image of God is not just a male image, but it's a female image as well. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 18, God is, is chiding his people for abandoning him. And he says, you forgot the God who, listen to this, who gave you birth, right? That's, that's a female metaphor, right? Not a male metaphor. In Isaiah 66, verse 13, God says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. In Psalm 123, the, the, the psalmist writes, As the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mis mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. So all over the Bible, and I, and I, could, I could bring up multiple, multiple uh, verses about, about this. God is portrayed in terms of how he relates to us not as a male, but as a female. Not as a father, but as a mother. Think about that. Think about that. But, but, but beyond the fact that it's just okay to, to think about God in these terms, to, to use feminine language, to think of, of God as a mother, I would argue this. We can't fully grasp the nature of God's love for us without thinking about God as a mother. Said differently, we are left impoverished in our notions about God if we don't consider his feminine and mothering characteristics. Now, now this morning, I want to talk about, about three aspects of this, okay? So first this. In mothers and mothering we see the, the generative nature of God's love. Tell me, what, why, why did God create? Was he, was he bored? Was he, was he lonely? No, no. I mean, God has always existed in the Trinity. He's always existed in a three-person community of selfless love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know this. So, so why did he create? Well, the answer is out of the overflow of her love, right? God created because she wanted to bring new life into this world. She wanted to give birth to beings that were her sons and daughters, creatures that had their own intellect, their own freedom, their own existence. You're already uncomfortable, right? Because I just started talking about God as a she. But you should, you should get a little bit more comfortable. You should think about this. You should reflect on this. But, but, but let's talk about creation and understand the difference between God making a giraffe as opposed to a human being. Listen again to these words from, from Genesis. In Genesis 1 verse 26, God says, Let us make humankind in our own image. In other words, human beings were meant to be special. I mean, unlike giraffes, they would come from God. They would, they would come from his being, from, from his personhood. In the same way that a mother carries 
a person made in her likeness inside her, God does the same. And, and in the fullness of time, and again, these, there's all these texts in the Bible, he gives birth to this new being, to this new creation. Now, at, at this point, a man might be saying, well, I had a part in uh, the, uh, the making of this new being. I mean, I was part of the procreation experience. Insert whatever joke you want to in this moment. But, but it's not the same. Men, um, listen. We, we will never truly understand what it means to have another human being inside us. We will never understand it in the way that mothers understand it. The sacrifice that it takes. The creative energy, the creative cost that it entails. The risk that you're taking. Think about this. How many women over the centuries haven't died in childbirth? Something else, and, and, and I don't know if you've, if you've ever thought about this. Why, after humanity fell into sin, when they decided not to trust God, that, that he was good, and they decided to choose for themselves that they wanted to do their own thing, right? They wanted to choose for themselves what was good and what wasn't good. Why, as part of the curse, did, did God choose the pain of childbirth for women as a constant reminder to the consequences of that decision. I'll tell you why. It, because God wanted humankind to understand a portion of the pain that it, that it cost God to give birth to humanity. Listen, God, did, did God know that human beings would fall into sin, that they would reject him after he created them? Of course he did. Of course he did. But, but out of out of love for a higher good, God chose it anyway. God knew that, that, that the creation of humanity would make places like Ostwich possible, right? But God also knew that the creation of humanity would make a Picasso possible and a Mozart masterpiece possible. And so he chose the higher good. Do mothers know that in, in, in choosing to give birth to a child, that the birth itself will be painful? Yes, right? What's that old saying? You know, for new moms, it's, it's, it's the fear of the unknown. For experienced moms, it's the fear of the known, right? Moreover, do you know that pain, the pain of childbirth, is just a foretaste of the, of the pain that moms experience as this little baby grows up to be a two-year-old, right? A stubborn two-year-old. It's like, says no every five minutes, right? Or a moody teenager. Yet, Moms do it anyway, out of love, for a higher good. Did, did you hear about the, the five-year-old 
boy who said to his mother, Mommy, I love you, and when I grow up, I'm going to get you an electric iron, an electric stove, and an electric toaster, and an electric chair. I hear a whole lot of mums out there saying, Amen to that. Mums, like God, endure the pain. The, the, the dark side of being a parent for a higher good. Because they know, they know that, that the creation of a human being, a human life, well, it, it creates the possibility of, of a certain amount of darkness. It also creates the possibility of so much good. So much love. So much connectedness. So much family. And isn't that what we're celebrating today? Of course it is. In mothers, we see the, the, the generative aspect of God's love for us. But then second, second, in mothers and mothering, we see the nurturing nature of God's love for us. When a woman bears a child, she, she nurses that child and cares for that child as it grows. She is its source of life outside the womb, right? at least early in the child's life. When a person is, is born in Christ, and I'm using the language of John 3. Remember, remember the story of Jesus and, and Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he's a Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus at night, and he's intrigued by Jesus, and, 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 and he wants to know how to enter the kingdom of God, what that looks like, what that means. And Jesus says something strange to him. He says, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, Right? It's a metaphor for what it means to be a Christ follower. Of course, it's been, you know, it's been used and misused in, in all kinds of, of different ways, right? You know, radio preachers, televangelists, you need to be born again, right? And we, we know that. It's a metaphor, though, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, to become a Christ follower, we need to become a new kind of person. A whole new kind of person that operates in a different way, that that runs on different values, that that trusts God in a unique way. When someone makes this decision, and I hope you've made this decision in your life today, God does not leave this person to themselves, right? As a mother, he doesn't abandon them. He cares for them and he nurtures them like a mother nurtures a child at her breast, right? And he does this, how? Through the church, right? Through the church. This is why the church is often called our what? Our mother, right? The church is also what? The bride of Christ, right? All feminine images, all feminine language. Now, now don't get me wrong. Men can and ought to nurture their children as well. And, and there's something unique that men can bring to children that women can't, and we'll get to that on Father's Day. And, and, and what's more, there's certainly instances in which um, mothers have not nurtured their children. 
but but for the most part mothers have a have a unique bond with their children right i mean there's a reason why in the second world war where where men were dying on the battlefields they would call for their mothers right if you ever see if you ever seen saving private ryan you you've seen this right mothers have a way of bringing comfort to their children that is so wonderful and, 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 and so unique. A mother's face is often the first face that children learn to trust. And that's why they often cling to their mothers when they feel most vulnerable, right? That's how God designed it. This is why very often in the Bible, God uses mothering feminine language to describe how she wants to comfort Jerusalem, right? There's a beautiful verse in Isaiah 66, verse 12 to 13. And I, I mentioned this earlier, but let me just read the, the fuller part of this. God is speaking to his people, to the city of Jerusalem, and she says this, I will extend peace to her, Jerusalem, like a river, and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dangled on her knee. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. You know, as we go through these difficult times, as we go through, through COVID, understand this. God, God wants to comfort you. And, 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 and think of it this way, as a mother, as a mother comforts her child, one who skins their knee and, and comes running to mom, 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 right? You've done that, haven't you? God says, I want to comfort you in the same way. I want to hold you in my arms. Are you scared right now? Let God hold you. Are you worried? Let God soothe you. Are you upset? Like a mother, let God calm you down. In mothers, we see the generative side of God's love, and we see the nurturing side of God's love. And then finally, in mothers and mothering, we see the redemptive nature of God's love. It, it, as every good mother knows, mothering is not just about giving birth. Anyone can give birth. If you have a womb and, and a good set of ovaries, you can do that. Mothering is all about this, this long-term project of sculpting a soul. The, the best mothers, they know that the most important part of their role with their children is having a loving heart towards them, right? Understanding what's best for them in a given moment. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes children need to be corrected. Sometimes children need to be comforted. Sometimes children need to be challenged. I know I did. Sometimes children need to be ignored when they're little brats. Sometimes children need to be defended when a bully comes around. 
sometimes you just need to give them space. Sometimes kids need a kick in the pants. When it comes right down to it, a good-hearted and wise mother is a mother, and listen to this now, that never, never, never gives up on their children. She will move heaven and earth to, to love her children and to move them towards maturity, right? To move them towards the space where she knows they need to go. Again, I'm not saying, saying that dads don't have the same responsibility. Of, of course they do. But there, there's something, friends, there's something about a mother's heart towards her kids that is so important, so vital. She plays a role in a child's life like no other. And in that, in that we see God's heart towards us. I want to tell you about this amazing moment that took place in the Gospels in the life of Jesus. He, he's uh, approaching Jerusalem, and, and I, I've been to Jerusalem, and I, I know the place where, where, where the Gospel writer is talking about. He comes over a hill, and he sees Jerusalem. He sees this, the holy city in all of its beauty and all of its brokenness. And he breaks down. And he begins to weep. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, but you are not willing. In this pregnant moment, in this moment at which almost like nothing else in the Gospels, is God's heart towards his people, towards you, demonstrated, revealed. God doesn't use masculine language. He used feminine language. He uses mother language. Oh, that I, I could gather you. Oh, that I could protect you. Oh, that I could call you back home. Oh, that I could nurture you and love you in the way that you need to be loved. Listen, friends, from the very beginning, God's heart towards humanity has been to call us back to himself, back to our family home. And as the Bible records, God has tried almost everything. She has nurtured her people. She has disciplined her people. She has given wisdom and guidance to her people. She has rescued her people. And now ultimately in this moment, this moment that I'm talking about, Jesus knows that the only way to truly reach his people is to demonstrate a love unlike any love that has ever been shown in the history of humanity. To lay down his life for his people. I read a, a story this week. It's about a guy who was a firefighter who, of course, uh, put out fires, but he was a forest fire firefighter. You get the idea. And they had brought the fire, this forest fire, under control, and they were surveying the woods for hotspots, as, as they do. 
And in one of the paths in the forest, he came across the carcass of a large bird, dead. It, it, it had been consumed by the flames, consumed by the heat and the fire. And it seemed strange to him because he thought to himself, why didn't the bird fly away? I mean, birds can fly. Why wouldn't they, this bird just fly away from the flames? He decided to, to kick it off the trail. And when he did, out scurried all these baby chicks, right? In other words, this mother bird had decided, had chose to give her own life, to be burned by the flames so that these chicks could survive. That's a picture of what God has done for us in Jesus. The Bible says he did not consider, she did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But she made herself nothing. And she took on the form of a servant. And she died on a Roman cross for you and me. She took the heat. Jesus took the heat, the flames, for you and me. So that we could survive so that we would have life. That's a picture of God's love. That's a picture of motherhood. A mother's love. A mother's love. That's God's love for us. Let me read this verse that you probably know well, but in a little different way. Listen to these words. For God so loved the world that she gave her one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life God did not send her son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this lesson this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts about your mothering love for us. we stand in awe of your grace and your mercy and your love for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.